what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to Birds All Day, episode 131. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we are joining you here uh, in the midst of a beautiful uh, month of September. September, of course, is the greatest of all months, weather-wise, which is why you come here to talk about weather, unless you live in one of those, like, corn provinces where the leaves are probably falling off of the trees already. But here in the center of the universe, it is lovely. It is lovely, uh, the sun is shining, and uh, they're still playing baseball. Unfortunately, for the first time uh, in two years, uh, or wait, three years, I guess, the baseball in Toronto at this time of year is meaningless. Uh, no one cares. None of it means a thing. So we are left to grasp at straws and grope around for things to talk about. But there's never a lack of things to talk about when it comes to your Toronto Blue Jays. And joining me, a man who knows all about creating sick chicken salad from chicken shit when it comes to the Blue Jays <laughs> content cycle, uh, Old Reliable. Old Reliable. Uh, Mr. Andrew no, Stoughton. That's a, yeah. Mr. Andrew Stoughton, Stoughton, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, thank you for joining me today, hey. here on Thursday, during the day, like respectable human beings. Not as early as last time, but still pretty good. Yeah, we're doing it, we're getting it done. I, I might even do some work before the end of the day. That'll be fun. Well, let, let's under-promise and over-deliver <laughs> instead of the opposite. Yeah. How, uh, how does that sound? I think uh, speaking, uh, so yeah, well, I don't know, we'll talk about the Blue Jays, we'll talk about, speaking of people who like to under-promise, uh, Ross Atkins, um, who is... The actual general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, he spoke at length, and you you parsed some of his comments, and we'll dig into some of the things that he said and how it relates to what we see on the field today and what we think we'll see on the field uh, tomorrow. Uh, there's also, uh, I don't know, lots of other news around the team, lots of speculation. It's that time of year, right, where it's sort of shifting gears. The minor league teams have all shut down. Congrats to all minor league affiliates who all somehow managed to win their championships, even the bad teams. Uh, and for that, they deserve credit. Uh, guys that played in three different levels, they get three different rings, which I think is really nice. Uh, they, if you're a career minor leaguer, you probably just run out of fingers at some point because every minor league team wins all the time. So congratulations to them. <laughs> yeah, tell, tell that to Buffalo. Well, yeah, but Buffalo, they, they're, sitting on a, they're sitting on a gold mine. Their attendance is already great, and then it's only going to get better next year when they're going to get a bumper crop of watchable folks. Uh, we're going to be or- organizing Birds All Day bus tours, where we will leave from directly in front of my apartment uh, to go to Buffalo, and then everyone will be dropped off back here at my house, because I'm not racing around the city. But uh, yeah, we're totally doing that, right? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure people who actually are keen on doing things, uh, I think they do that sort of thing, so maybe maybe we can hop on with them. But yeah, Buffalo, Here's Buffalo we'll is do. great. I, I mean, Buffalo, it's a... Uh, I'm sure I'm speaking to people who, uh, you know, a lot of whom have been to Buffalo. Uh, but yeah, it's a nice little park. It's just, you know, it's a baseball stadium. It's uh, it, it's it's right downtown, which you know is yeah, downtown Buffalo is maybe not the uh, uh, the city that never sleeps. But uh, I don't know. There's stuff going on. There's uh, hoagies to be eaten, wings to be consumed. Uh, get you just you get get your fill of Buffalo. You just go experience Buffalo culture. Uh, and it's great. It's uh, and next year, yeah, like you say, the, the Ross Atkins in that interview was talking about having Hernandez there and Alford and Guriel and Urania and, and uh, Tellez again and uh, Danny Jansen. Like there, there's gonna be there's gonna be some guys there. That sounds great. Um, here's what we're gonna do: we'll organize the bus tour. Uh, the bus will ever so subtly drop me off at Fallsview, and everyone else can go to watch the Bison's game and then pick me back up at the casino. <clears throat> On the way home, which I think it's a, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for everybody. Because exactly. otherwise, I'm not driving all the way down the QEW. God, it's so far. 
<laughs> Backwoods garbage. Anyway, um, so yeah, Ross Atkins. Let's start there. Let's start with Rod Gat- Ross Atkins' comments. You, uh, how, how can I ask you a, a, a bit of an inside baseball question? Sure. How do you prefer transcribing Ross Atkins' utterances compared to the mile a minute predecessor, Alex Anthopoulos? Uh, it's I find it's much easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just I, just the way he speaks. Maybe that's that American directness that he's got. I don't know. No, I, but part of it I think is that I use this. Uh, I use a site. This is I guess I'm making a plug for O Transcribe or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, let me let me double check that on my on my bookmarks because there is a site that I use. Yeah, otranscribe.com, where it lets you just like drop the file in, and then you can use you use like to uh, to start stop is escape, and then uh, F one F two are like re- it like rewinds it like two seconds or one second, and the other one goes forward. You know, so it's just really seamless, easy controls that are right there as you're typing, so you can sort of pause the recording and type and catch up and then start it again, and it just it's it's. Uh, it's much easier than you know, sort of doing it manually, like playing it from a file in in you know uh, VLC player, whatever the hell player you use on your on your computer, mm-hmm. and, and doing it. So it's so it's been much more seamless. But that's uh, uh, that's just the handy technology from this company uh, that I know nothing about, but that I am also plugging right now because it is actually real handy. Uh, I believe it is a production. Uh, it is a product produced by Milkshake Duck Industries. <laughs> so unfortunately, you're going to find out that it is a, it is a it is a front. Uh, I think I think that it, definitely they're racist. Um, <laughs> I can't help but wonder if it's you know we've got God love uh, Alex Anthopoulos and his uh, somewhat uh, maybe uh, shaggy dog appeal, but I wonder if it is a nat- it's a matter of like maybe you could describe uh, Ross Atkins as one of like a. I'm doing a great example of the opposite here, of uh, a good ratio of words to ideas. Like you are able to get your ideas across in a in a minimum or minimal or or uh, concise number of words, perhaps, uh, which is nice yeah. to have. And yeah. again, I, what I'm doing now, the opposite of that. <laughs> well, and what I would say, I would say this. I mean, we were talking about this off air. How you know, looking at Atkins and and Shapiro and and all sorts of things, it ends up. Uh, and you mentioned the Deck Maguire thing. It just ends up a reason to like start running down Anthopolis, which is probably not the, not the right thing to do. Not a fair thing to do, right? Like, uh, as I wrote in that piece this week, you know, he he brought us our greatest baseball joy of twenty years. Like, it's it was fucking incredible what he did, and 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 Shapiro and Atkins probably wouldn't have done it, probably couldn't have done what he did, or you know, uh, so we we must respect him. But yeah, well, looking listening to Atkins. Uh, I think on this subject in particular, because in the the piece that I transcribed this week, it was a lot of like details about player development and about you know guys that he talks to in the system and like what their needs are and thoughts on you know specific. It's I felt it was like right in his wheelhouse. Like this is the shit that he does. Like he's just uh, he's out there trying to understand what they've got in their system, what needs to be better, and 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 to do that really, as I said in the piece, as a disciple of what. Shapiro said to Mark Feinstein in the previous piece that I transcribed, uh, which is uh, saying that, you know, to, to have a championship level team, you have to know every little detail of the organization up and down. And that feels like, you know, Atkins is sort of his guy that does that, whereas Shapiro more shapes the strategy and the vision and then goes to the corporate board meetings, which I suppose Paul Beeston was supposed to do. Previously, maybe he did, but that's a terrifying thought. I really, I really hope Anthopolis had more to do with 
the baseball operations vision than Beeston did, sitting there with his sockless feet up on a desk, smoking a cigar all day. Without an email address, um, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. Uh, sh- sh- shouldn't be a big deal. But you, we've talked about this quite a bit over the last two years, uh, in particular, and it is not a bad thing that they are, as we've you know, kind of sang the same song. They're turning the Blue Jays from like a kind of somewhat mom and pop kind of family run, especially with Beeston. I mean, it's a big, it's a big business, but it always had a, a bit of like a shaggy dog kind of it was like a baseball team they've always been run that way they're turning it into a modern sports business Mm -hmm. they're applying all of these like nba uh strategies and techniques and they're just doing nba shit they're doing business guy stuff to the business of baseball because that's what it is and that's what it's always been and and in the end uh you have to feel as though even though it's maybe not the edge that it once was uh, the, the 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 players up and down and and hopefully the fans in the end who are the only ones the, the you know maybe not in that order fans probably should be the priority and then well, I don't know they're two parallel tracks but the players and the fans tend to, are, are are fought to benefit uh, which is good and, and and as always the number one thing you'll always find is that the end user most of the time doesn't care the fans don't care they don't care how the team is run as long as the team puts forth a product that they are enjoying and that they are not. Uh, it's not difficult to support and not difficult to give them their money and so on and so forth. But I've been thinking about this. And I wrote a note down when we were talking before. So people, of course, love to shit on Alex Anthopoulos. But unfortunately, Alex Anthopoulos is a wonderful baseball story, right? A guy who worked for the Expos and started in whatever in the mailroom, and, uh, which is sort of maybe not the most accurate version of, of, of what happened. But uh, he rose up through the organization as a, as a guy who, had a, uh, who was running the family aluminum business or whatever it was, I, I feel like those kind of stories are way less likely to happen now. As, as they've turned baseball, just like so many other uh, walks of life and, and areas of business and places where people desire to work, they keep raising the barrier for entry up and up and up and up, where you've got to be X, you've got to have X number of skills and X level of education and they got to do this and got to do that if you ever hope to get any higher than, than the, the bare minimum, the lowest rungs. And that's kind of a shame. It's good that, that these guys, that these, these sort of automatons in their blue shirts and, and khaki shorts and stand desks are smart people and capable and, and the, again, the baseball team upon which we are all focused uh, will benefit. But at the same time, it's, you know, as we kind of joke about, about Beeston and being kind of aw shucks and being a bit of a, of, a, of a bean counter, but also a guy with a big personality, a guy who's able to kind of work rooms and stuff, part of that is charming and appealing to me. Because otherwise, it's just like we're just given different kinds of jobs of the same tech bros who are trying to destroy the local convenience store <laughs> with a fucking vending machine. Like these... these, these uh, anyway... I, yeah, it, I, it's it's kind of a shame that that kind of antiquated, folksy, uh, you know, which obviously had it more than its share of flaws in terms of not being a meritocracy and being ex- extremely exclusive in terms of who moved in and who moved up and, and being an old boys club. Obviously, those things need to go away. But it, I wish that there was like a happy medium where it was it was inclusive and it was an opportunity for everyone but it also wasn't just like oh you don't have an MBA oh you don't know how to write Perl you don't know how to do R you don't know how to do this you don't know how to do that uh, you know the table stakes have changed unfortunately and it's, it's left a lot of maybe left a lot of people out and let, left a lot of people struggling to understand how uh, the local baseball team works when it would have been 
a different way of just being like, you know, let's get good guys and let's get, make our team full of good players. But it takes more than that now. And the Blue Jays are lucky. They have the right people in place. But the, the guy before was a bit of a throwback, and, uh, and I think we'll miss... Uh, the, the game will be missing if it's, if it's going to lose characters or, or, or people, hard workers, and guys who are running around micromanaging and doing the <laughs> five people's jobs. Well, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the game's worse off for that. I, perhaps. I do have some thoughts on this because it, it, the story, I don't want to be glib about the Anthopolis thing or say that, like, yeah, I'm, I'm careful because you say people like to dump all over Anthopolis. I feel that that sometimes is just me. That that mm-hmm. that like I'm out here alone, being like, yeah, let's let's revise maybe some of what we thought about this. But what his story reminds me a little bit of is uh, in my previous life, uh, working a, an actual office job at a at a dumb company, and uh, you know, with people who lived in Pickering, uh, <laughs> somebody who uh, who eventually became my boss began as uh, as the receptionist, and her rise through the company was. Lovely girl, don't get me wrong. Uh, not, you know, did her did her job fine, and at it at every at every level. But her main qualification was she was like fucking mad for like she was just a legitimate workaholic, like mad for working. Like if they wanted something to get done, they would hand it to her, and she would, you know, stay here, stay at the office for seventeen hours to make sure it gets done, as opposed to the other scums who were who were kind of like fuck this stupid ass business she was like i don't care that this is a stupid ass business i'm gonna fucking do shit which and, and and you know nothing against anybody who you know who has that attitude that's a great attitude to have but it but i i, I sort of felt you know in thinking about the anthopolis rise is like is that what was going on it was just like oh this this kid in the mailroom is just gonna fucking do everything because he can't help himself and it just it just keeps getting getting pushed upwards because I mean, it's obviously more, uh, you know, there's more to him than that. I don't want to take too much away from it. But, but yeah, the the crazy uh, workaholic-y thing maybe ends up, uh, maybe ends up allowing him to overachieve in the company, uh, as opposed to people who you're, you know, looking down at who have, you know, qualifications and stuff. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, the workaholic thing is uncommon, right? That's, yeah, that's the that way is, that it goes. That is that's how people advance and, and keep their damn jobs is by being lunatics about their stupid work and having this like insane loyalty pathologically to some stupid ass company. And those are the people who end up, you know, getting ahead. Whereas someone with a little more casual attitude may be uh, better at their job, but just don't display it enough because they uh, are like human beings and need to have lives and shit i mean if you can't check twitter at seven and a half hours a day when you're at your <laughs> desk and live stream soccer games on the low uh you know then why are you why are you even living frankly right um anyway <laughs> part of the modern sports business was has been the high performance department which unfortunately for some blue jays fans is not a is not a uh a class at Hogwarts where they magically cure injuries and prevent any and all soft tissue injuries <laughs> moving forward. But, uh, I, I mean, I, there is a fair question into how much of this is branding, right? How much of this is branding? How much of this is placebo effect? Uh, you, you went back and quoted liberally from Dalton Pompey's quotes about the way things were before. And, 
he mentions more the personal touch, right? Coming down, making a personal connection with a guy, telling him, you know, this is what we want to do for you. This isn't a one-size-fits-all. It's This is what we think will work for you. And, and by the way, how are you? And trying to get to know them and, and getting into their brain a little bit. And, and if that is if that's a reflection of a modern sports business, then that's okay. Get Again, work, you know, understanding that you're dealing with people. He used the word assets when he was describing Alex Anthopoulos' approach. And he feels more like he has a, a more direct connection to Ross Atkins, which, uh, again, I, I can't see any negative with that, other than maybe Ross Atkins is, again, one of those guys who's working too many hours and his family doesn't see him. But uh, what the hell do I care? I'm here to watch baseball. So, uh, I don't know. Do you, th- do you think there's... Are, are these fans right in being cynical about this kind of stuff, or are we maybe having too high expectations of high performance to the title? Yeah, I, I, well, I would I would think that the fans are maybe being a little too cynical about it, but that also we have... Uh, we need to adjust our uh, our expectations. I mean, looking at the Shapiro interview, uh, uh, Feinstein asked him, like, what do you think, you know, is sports science the next uh, place where, you know, organizations can get an edge on their competitors by uh, being better at that? And he said, uh, or I think he said, is it is it the biggest area where there's, you know, that opportunity? And Shapiro said, not really. <laughs> like, he said, I think there's probably, like, coaching and, and, and how we manage people is maybe, like... Uh, just as big an area where the industry can be better, but so he himself is is, will, is obviously admitting like it's not it's not going to be the be all end all, but it's a place where they can uh, you know continue to not fall behind for one uh, and perhaps innovate and perhaps you know get themselves an edge while other teams are sort of catching up if they're you know on the forefront of looking into this sort of stuff. But yeah, it's like you said right off the top. I mean, it's not this magical thing. That people are like, oh, they got a high performance department, but no, they still got injuries. What's that all about? This is just a scam. And it's like, well, no, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know that it's in its infancy, but it's, it's, uh, it's a thing where, where they, there's no, uh, clear set, you know, path to solutions necessarily, right? I mean, they're just, they're doing what they, what, what the science and what the, the thinking about it, uh, tells them is best and and are sort of seeing what the results are because there isn't a whole history of teams using this kind of stuff using sports psychology too and using uh Mm -hmm. uh, you know all these tools that they are starting to realize are at their disposal to try to make their you know their group of players as best as they possibly can so i mean i don't know that we're going to see results out of it i I don't think that means that, that it's a uh a bit of marketing or a scam i think that just means that uh we don't know, right? I mean, I think it's just, it's a way of, and, and we've talked about this, we talked about this, uh, you know, in terms of analytics years ago, it was a way to not fall behind too, right? Like you can't, uh, if that's where the industry is going, you can't really uh, stay standing, right? Unless you're at your desk. <laughs> Excuse me. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the other thing to remember is that sometimes these things don't work. Sometimes you, you not maybe not the entire, not going to scrap the entire plan unless they find that it's not delivering any kind of results. And, and they'll they'll move they'll pivot to video as they say. Um, uh, let's move back to actual baseball stuff a sure. little bit uh, because I want to move to the middle of the diamond. Uh, there was some there was some talk about um, but the middle infield and and uh, he's you know he said we're confident Devin Travis will be back. He said you know they're confident Troy Tulowitzki will be back. Uh, his line quote was Will they play 160 games? I don't know. That'd be great if they did. But we have to plan accordingly. That the track record hasn't been there and do everything we can to offset that. So. There's obviously uh, no lack of internal candidates um, with uh, Ryan Goins and Darwin Barney and people like that who are so unbelievably bad at baseball. Um, (laughs) (coughs) 
excuse me, there's also, of course, the ascendant, Richard Uranian, who is, I, I tweeted this, and it has already come true based on the tweet itself, which is, uh, congratulations to Richard Uranian, who's doing everything in his power to make the Troy Tulewitzki conversation this winter even more unbearable, and it's already happened. Yep. Uh, Uranian's going to have a hot month, and everyone is, who has already got Tulo one foot out the door is going to be shoving him with both hands square in his back because, because Urania is going to, in some, in some, from some angles, he's going to look like the guy. Uh, but I don't know that he's the guy. Not yet. Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I, I have done a lot of scout, uh, stat line scouting on Richard Urania, mm-hmm. and, it, and his numbers this year certainly come up wanting, but there are, you know... Uh, John Sickles at Minor League Ball wrote a thing about him uh, today, which is essentially a thing that I'm, I've, thought, I've toyed with writing all week and may still write, even though Sickles wrote it, and just sort of pivot off him. But saying, you know, yeah, the numbers are bad and his his path has been has been interesting, but there's still people who really who really like him. And and he says, you know, if you see him on the right day, he looks like a guy who can hit 300 in the big leagues. And then you know, a year like this happens, and that doesn't necessarily. You know, just looking at his overall numbers for the year, maybe doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, right? It's like he's uh, uh, he's a guy that they they like the they like the swing, they they like the aggression, even though that means he maybe doesn't uh, take a walk ever, except until he gets to the big leagues and then just starts walking like crazy. Um, and he's young, right? Do you think he's, is he is he twenty one still or just he's he is just 21, turned twenty two? Right. Like, yeah. Uh, so I mean, playing in Double A, twenty-one. That's that's still pretty young. And uh, you know, you think about where Pompey was, where Alfred is, and uh, you know, those are guys who are young for that level. I mean, it's obviously uh, our boy Vlad is is going to be on a totally totally other planet when he's playing there when he's still fucking eighteen, nineteen next year. Um, but yeah, I I don't know there. There is more to Urania than the stat line shows, and there is less to him than what, you know, the people wetting their pants about what his performance so far in the big leagues shows, right? Absolutely. I mean, he he does look, um, the stat line looks great, which is nice unless uh, you don't to look, have. Unless you look at the double A one, then, then it looks like trash. Yeah, right. So, but no one's going to look at that, and people are going to look at, <laughs> at the at his, his turn in the big leagues here, and they're going to see that he's hitting for a high average, hitting the ball hard, and even his expected, uh, you know, his exit, exit velocities, and um, if you go, if you want to noodle around on StatCast, you can see that his expected weighted on base average is, is, is still quite high, not as quite as, not quite as high as it is in reality, but, uh, but he, he, you know, there's a lot to like. There, there is absolutely a lot to like, but I, I still think, you know, the strikeouts are, are pretty high, and just like um, Teoscar Hernandez, sometimes he looks like really, really very much the part of a 21-year-old. Uh, you know, it's nice that he's a switch hitter, but I don't think there's any reason to, to rush him. I still, in my heart of hearts, believe that my original plan or, or idea or scheme <laughs> yeah. for the Blue Jays to go and acquire um, Jerks and Profar, I think I still think that's a, a fine idea. That's still sure. something that I would love to see them pursue, um, because then you have a guy who uh, has at least a longer track record, at least more experience in the big leagues. I don't know what they're doing with him this year. They didn't call him up at the end of the year, even though he was, um, uh, you know, he's been he was good in AAA um, for the most part. He plays in the joke league, but I would still love to see them take a shot at him. Uh, as someone who can do both and someone who can play, you know, some third base. And even they, the Rangers used him in the outfield, which was insane in, in some ways. But that doesn't mean that he couldn't go back out there again. Uh, just as another layer, a layer between 
Urania, a guy who's a little bit older, a guy who's a little bit more affordable, uh, who does a lot of the same things. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm into that extra level of insurance, well, provided that, that the acquisition cost is low. And that fits, uh, we, we talked about it off air about this, back to the Atkins piece. You know, that's what he was talking about. You know, Marwan Gonzalez or Ben Zobrist or Jose Ramirez, you know, guys, switch hitters, versatile defenders, uh, guys with a bit of speed. I mean, Profar isn't stealing tons of bases like he was in A-ball, but, uh, uh, but yeah, he's a guy who fits what Atkins seems to think is the ideal kind of player to bring in here because he's someone who can cover for any number of these old fucking guys who were probably going to break down at some point. Or, mm-hmm. young, or in Devin Travis's case, young fucking guys who are going to break down at some point. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he also kind of throws hot, cold water on the idea of moving him to the outfield, or was that um, was that it wasn't Shapiro, in that it wasn't Shapiro, in that fire the week before it wasn't in that piece, but uh, oh. but he has he has thrown cold water on that, uh, but but it was I mean if you really want to sort of look at it line by line uh, and read between them, it's uh, he was like oh our team is better with Devin Travis at second base, and he did he did say. You know, it doesn't make sense to go out and sign a second baseman when we have Devin Travis, which is why it's like, yeah, so you sign, uh, you know, you go get an Eduardo Nunez or you get a Jerkson Profar uh, if you don't think Lourdes Gurriel is ready for the big leagues yet, which I don't think they probably do, uh, mm-hmm. though he's a guy who could do that at some point. But if you can get someone for cheap and force Gurriel to have to force his way onto the club, that's, you know, all the better. Uh, but yeah, I, I, he, I he definitely cold, threw cold water on the idea that Travis... Uh, would stay healthier in the outfield, which I think is which it probably makes sense, right? I mean, uh, you know, he's not in there turning double plays, but there's there are ways to get injured in the outfield too, as we've all seen all you know all the time. Like I don't think it, I don't think moving Travis to the outfield is necessarily all about just keeping him away from injury. It's I think more that uh, you know when I've written about it, it's been that yeah, you've got guys like Hernandez, like Alfred, like. Pompey, if he ever can get back on the damn field again, uh, who can who can be cover for an outfielder, whereas you don't have guys who can be cover for an infielder quite in the same way, uh, because you know as good as Urania's bat has looked so far, uh, you know he's a he's he's more Ryan Goins than Troy Tulowitzki. Let's be honest, right? So uh, uh, I think that's obvious. Um, but yeah, so if they brought in an infielder, I think that would make sense, uh, even if it's not necessarily. You know, uh, Neil Walker coming in to to be the second baseman because they have Travis. It's probably going to be somebody, like you say, like Profar, like a guy who is uh, is going to be able to cover for Donaldson if he has to, or for an outfielder if he has to, and or for Travis or you know wherever they need him. Uh, all that being said, though, it is exciting to watch him succeed in the big leagues in the first uh, in his first blush. It's exciting to see a guy who, uh, you know, as you alluded to before, someone who maybe didn't quite look the part in the minor leagues, but has come up to the big leagues and very much looked the part. Um, uh, and and adding uh, just injecting some fun into uh, what is a very disappointing season and that had a had a potential. I mean. There's always more, it's more exciting to watch guys who you have maybe a vested interest in their success, guys who are moving forward uh, that figure to be parts of the team as opposed to just sort of this assembly line of also ran kind of middling jobber type of, uh, <laughs> of, of roster, you know, roster churn guys. Uh, but at the same time, whatever. So yeah, I don't know. It's exciting. It's exciting that Richard Durania has come up and, uh, and again, he kind of looks apart. So Oh yeah, I, I mean, you, 
like who needs Ryan Goins when you have this guy? I mean, you need Ryan Goins to sit on the bench in the big leagues. But yeah, yeah somebody oh, yeah. gets somebody gets hurt, Urania comes up, and I don't think you're playing Goins every day if uh, if somebody gets hurt next year. I mean, that's uh, you know that's at least nice to see. That's at least nice to think that even though it won't go as well as it's gone so far at the plate for Urania, that he's a guy who you know really looks comfortable at the position too. That's what you know Buck and Tabby and you hear what Gibbons thought about him and that he looks he looks beyond his years in terms of. Uh, his sort of composure on the on the field with the glove, uh, you know, not all the time necessarily, but uh, but yeah, he looks good. He looks he looks comfortable out there. He looks like he is a shortstop and isn't you know a guy trying to trying to hang on there for as long as he can before there's a position switch. Like he's. Uh, I think he's what are you insinuating? Guy. Hold on. <laughs> um. So yeah, Richard Harini, Richard Harini, that's pretty good, and uh, I don't know. He didn't say too much else other than. He says he says the things you expect to see to say about Troy Tulowitzki. Um, I think that watching Jose Bautista this year is probably pretty scary if you're Troy Tulowitzki or someone who is is, is pinning their hopes on Troy Tulowitzki or um, on the fucking going... high performance department. <laughs> well, the, the high performance you can perform as highly as well. I, and it, as it relates to Bautista, and I think you could probably say the same about about Tulowitzki. No manner of fitness can replace lost bat speed. I don't believe that is possible. Because if Jose Bautista can't do it, then nobody can. Because nobody takes better care of himself. Nobody takes better care of himself now. And no one's taking better care of himself for much of his career. I, I went back. I, was, I wrote something about him the other day. And I went back and That's I was, nice was reading it. It was wonderful. Oh, it was, thank what, you it was wonderful. Yeah, no, it was uh, good to see my RSS Ghost Runner popping up. It won't happen very often. I will be honest with you, but but there it was. Uh, but I went anyway. I went back and read some story from his from the heyday when he would, was blowing up, and they had you know interviews with his with friends from school and when he was a little kid. Stuff I had forgotten about how Jose when he was in college, even he never drank, he never went out. He was just like baseball all the time. They were his friends were like, "Yo, let's take the day off," and he was like, "No, nope, got to go to the cage. Got to get my got to get my swings in. Got to get my rips in." So he's always been this way. He he wasn't necessarily one of these guys who sort of figured it out as he got a little bit older or realized that his time in the big leagues was precious or whatever, this is who he's been. Uh, his, uh, his, he's always been at the very bleeding edge of, of fitness and stretching and coordination and whatever. Back it slow, you back it slow. And in the big leagues now where they A, they throw harder, but B, they throw even fewer fastballs. Um, Jeff Sullivan had a piece about like where have all the fastballs gone, and it's just kind of like... Not only are the fastballs harder to hit, but they're fewer and far between. Uh, obviously, everyone throws a million miles an hour. It's not that people can't won't hit, but if you you need that time, you need that time to make up your mind. And when your bat gets even a little bit slower, and it's something that is more about reaction time and just the sort of stuff that happens when you get a little bit older, you can't make it up. And if you're looking at, you know, I'm not saying that I think that either both he and Troy Tulowitzki are done forever. But that is a very, 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 very difficult task to overcome the sort of slowing in the way that your body ages. So to me, a little scary. I'll be honest. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's definitely fair. Uh, it's nice that, you know, the, uh, the bar for, for offense is a little lower at, at shortstop. So I think Tulo can sort of, if he stays on the field, can pass for longer. Um, even defensively, I mean, that was a thing, you know, he, when he came back and spoke to the media, he was talk, talking about the metrics, and it's like, 
I don't know. They were bad this year, but they were pretty good last year when he looked entirely exactly the same, as far as I could tell. So I, I you know, yeah, I think the Jays should be. They'll be. They'll be fine. They'll, they'll be fine with him for another year. It's the two years after that that I'm maybe a little more worried about. Um, but that's a conversation that will they'll have to they'll have to have. You know, he's got a there's a, when he got traded. There's a no full no trade kicked in. The Rockies, you know, designed his contract that way, which mm. is a little odd. But uh, so they can't they can't move him to anywhere that they, he doesn't want to go unless they release him, um, which is a far off conversation, but one that before the end of that contract we may we may have to have. It'd be nice to see him have a, a bit of a bounce back season. Like it's it's you know he's a three win guy last year. It's hard to remember because we've just seen so little of him this year, and what of him we've seen has not been great. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You could do worse than starting with Tulo and trying to build in your contingent your contingencies contingencies from there, right? Like uh, you could do a whole lot better at this stage of his career, but uh, it's not something that's going to to hold the team back too much, especially uh, if they get you know pick up the slack in terms of what the production they get out of right field, maybe the production they get out of center field. Um, what they, you know, how many damn starts Aaron Sanchez has to miss because of this stupid fucking blister situation, right? Like we, like I've said last week and probably a bunch of other weeks. Kevin Pillar will be Kevin Pillar. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that very much. Very, very much. Because that's, uh, that's that is, it's right. I mean, he's, uh, <laughs> there's no like, oh yeah, we think there might be more in that bat. We saw in April. It's like, no. I think we know what Kevin Pillar is. Hopefully he's, you know, somewhere else, maybe. Somewhere else, maybe. Anyway, let's, let's okay leave that, that for now. Let's, before I, I'm just going to turn the radio off. Turn the, the, the thing off right now after you say that. Uh, I, I wanna, we'll, we'll keep going with our speculative part of this part of the speculation uh, part of the episode. I mentioned guys that throw 100 miles. Everyone throws 100 miles an hour and also everyone hits home runs. The Blue Jays are apparently scouting a guy who does both. Shohei Otani, the Japanese superstar, has Woo. made it clear that he is bound and determined to come to North America uh, at the end of this year, uh, thereby sacrificing literal millions and millions of dollars to do so, as he will be just like any other random, he'll be no different than Vlad Guerrero. He's subject to all the same rules as Vlad Guerrero, uh, even though he's in his 20s and he would fetch in upwards of $200 million on the open market. So congratulations to the owners who are really doing a, a bang-up job of suppressing <laughs> yeah. the wages of all players at all levels. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, Gideon Turk uh, dumped his G-chat onto Baseball Prospectus and wrote all about, uh, from, a, from a trusted and valued source within the, within the organization, one that has proven uh, to be bang on. Gideon's always gotten this stuff right. Uh, because I have a sinking suspicion that he's got some guy on fucking G-Chat. But anyway, uh, and, he, and, he, and he wrote about how the Blue Jays view Otani. There was a video and gifs of uh, Blue Jays front office types, Dan Evans, uh, and some others there in um, Japan watching Otani start. And he you know, looked at the party. He throws 100 miles an hour. He throws some crazy slider that makes the Japanese hitters look ridiculous. Uh, and he's a legit stick who wants to play the outfield as well as pitch. Uh and if you, when you are limited in what you can sign him for and, and limited in how much you have to pay him up front, of course, there's all kinds of talk about working extensions in, in the back door to ensure that he gets his. Uh, but it's, it's awesome to see the Jays being part of that conversation. The Jays out there pursuing and scouting him. 
and uh, and then obviously having dis- internal discussions about what he's worth and what he means to the team. I don't know. Uh, uh, I, it still feels like a real long shot that the Jays would ever that he would he would go to Toronto. But if it's not necessarily a matter of money, it's a matter of him picking. Maybe they're able to position this uh, cultural mecca, this cosmopolitan hotbed that is Toronto, as a place where Shohei Otani would want to come. I don't know. Is that can you make that work? Can you make that sale job? Um, I, I don't. I don't know if I can with the cosmopolitan mecca. I mean, I, obviously it's a wonderful city and, and better than a lot of the fucking backwaters the league is in in the in the stupid United States. Uh, <laughs> though it, you know, I don't know that the, uh, you know, I know it's the major leagues. I I, I I wonder, and I've heard somebody you know put it this way, like that whether, you know, the dream isn't to co to come to Canada and succeed. When you're a guy playing over there, necessarily the dream is to go to America and succeed, and that you know, because we're in we're in the big leagues. Does that mean that this is this is just the same and fine? I think it should, but I don't know if it has the same pull of like being a stupid fucking Yankee or playing for the Dodgers or whatever. And then you've been on the West Coast; it's a little easier to get back home if that's if that's something that you're interested in. And it seems like a lot of teams or a lot of players from there have been. Though you know, you see the I don't know if you remember the U Darvish thing. <laughs> but uh, the plane watch, oh, it was amazing. Yeah, but but I mean, I don't know. Went to the Rangers. That was that's maybe like a, a curious one. And, and I think you know more than selling the city is what we you know what uh, we talked about earlier a little bit, and what uh, uh, what Mark Spire was talked about, and and you know what you see in how they sold supposedly uh, Bo Bichette on coming here was oh, we're not going to fuck with your swing. We're not going to you know you you're successful because of what you do. We want to. Help us help you, kind of a thing, right? Like, like, uh, and so maybe that's where they're going to try to get an edge mm-hmm. in terms of being like, we're going to literally accommodate you in whatever way you think is going to be best for your success. And, and uh, I would imagine that just about any team would would have that pitch too. So that's that's maybe uh, not going to work for them. But uh, but I think that's sort of what the and I think that was mentioned maybe in, in Gideon's uh, G chat as well. Um, but yeah, and, and Dan Evans is a guy you know that that who's been front and center in in Japan and in Korea and over there for a long time, uh, and has been you know like like they said in the piece that he's been working on this for a long time and really really wants the guy, which obviously doesn't mean anything when there are maybe handshake deals and and there are teams with uh, broader appeal that are coming into play and uh, you know I don't know it's I think it's still a, a crazy long shot obviously but. Uh, but were it to work, I think it would be because they're like, hey, yeah, we're gonna we're in the American League. You're this Morales guy. Get rid of you're our DH. You know, three days a week. Then you start. You get a couple days off. Like whatever, whatever you need, whatever you, whatever you literally need, uh, we'll make it happen. So we will. We will do. You. They would do anything to accommodate him. Yeah. They would have to. You would have to. Yeah. Um, but I. But anyone no, would. Anyone would. That's the other thing. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. That's so not. That's not really it. a differentiator. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Um, there's a part of me that's a little bit, I don't know, have many, I haven't read a lot of scout takes, and I would love to see more of those. love to see people get a look at him and be like, well, no, he's like, you know, he's Japan, he's Japan good at the plate, and it's not <laughs> worth the risk. Or he's also Japan good as a pitcher because he throws super hard in a league where everyone throws junk all the time i mean there's maybe there's maybe there's a higher bus potential than i think we are the story is so fascinating and and again we've talked about this before about how he wanted to come to the big leagues right out of high school 
Right. Right. Yeah. That, I remember Parks having me write about him a bunch way back in the day, uh, which I'm sure he delighted in. Uh, but, uh, but, um, but, you know, is is it is it as appealing if he turn if he is in the end, you know, uh, uh, Masahiro Tanaka mixed with Eric Thames? Like, is that is that worth the risk of having him do both of those two things? I would take I that. Know. I don't know. I would take. You that. would take that. Well, I mean, that's probably still pretty. That's that's truthfully still insanely valuable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's like a five win guy, right? Yeah, that seems okay to me. Yeah, I'd take that. I'd take a five win guy. I had to. I have to relook at uh, Eric Thames' uh, numbers. They're pretty good. Strikes out quite a bit, doesn't he? Thirty home runs. He had one yesterday, one the day before. Good for him. I, I think that's nice. awesome. Even I don't care that everybody in the world hits thir- has going to hit twenty this year. <laughs> He's got thirty, even though he hit twelve of them in April. <laughs> It's awesome. It's still a nice year. Yeah. Fuck for he's the for the almost, Brewers. He's they, almost Justin Smoke good. They're paying him five million dollars. They only owe him another eleven. Like he's basically paid for that that contract already. Just much, like Justin much Smoke. Just like Justin Smoke. Just like Justin Smoke. I've got a note out here about Justin Smoke. We can talk about him real quick if you want. Because um, Justin Smoke's real been real bad, right? Of late. Of late-ish, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're not, we don't He's been to, real bad of we, late. Do we want to think about that? Yeah. No. Well, um, I think yeah, if you August look at was an, August was not great for him. You're right. And nor has September been. It's been worse. You know, it's going bad when they're making excuses for him being tired on the radio. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, you know, he's played 140 games this year. Yeah, that's really going to start taking a toll on your body. And when your legs get sore, then you really start reaching with your arms, which is all entirely true. And definitely possible, but still, when you're when the baseline of your performance is just in smoke, it's so easy to just be like, "Well, that was fun because it was." He's had an amazing year and deserves all kinds of credit. His strikeout rate is that's ooh, wow. I just looked at <laughs> I'm looking at Eric Thames's Fangraphs page, yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit, Justin Smoke! What happened? Where did all these strikeouts <laughs> come from?" But, but it's the wrong guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eric Thames does strike out a lot. Smoke has only struck out uh, 21% of the time, which for Justin Smoke is pretty ridiculous, and it's still low here in September. It's not, it's not like he's gone back to looking like Justin Smoke. Like, it's still... There's some contact there. Like, the the, the BABIP is, is just a buck ninety four for the month of September so far for him. So maybe there's a little luck in there. Let's, let's hope. But the last couple, you know, six weeks haven't been great. Um, if you go you know, back, he's, and, he's earned obviously a whole lot of rope, right? Like, I mean, oh yeah, he's, he's the first baseman. That's that's not something that's not something anybody's going to change between now and next year. So, if you so, look at his like um, uh, chase rate and contact rate, it has sort of come uh, down over the last I don't know twenty games or so. But again, it, it I don't want to put too much. Um, stock into that, but it has sort of tailed off a little bit, which which was kind of the hallmark of the season was that his, he just didn't swing and miss as much anymore. He didn't chase. He wasn't putting, you know, bad swings on bad pitches. So, so that's nice. That's I nice. I suppose that's nice. Uh, so, I, but you know, you're absolutely right. For what they, I, there was it, was it was so easy to shit on that contract because it was like, why give him anything when you don't need to give him a single goddamn thing? But now you're looking at a guy who's going to make what is it like five million bucks next year, like. Nothing, and an option. Yeah, and I'm looking at his contact. I mean, his 
the like the zone contact and overall contact though down compared to like what his what it was and what his uh what his season averages are like the zone contact is 89 percent this year it was 83 last year and mm-hmm. over, since August 1st, it's 85. So he's, he's in between, and that's dragging this year's one down a little bit. But he's still still better than last year at making contact. The, What's up with his and, agent, by the way? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> his buyout is so small. Only $200,000 $200, buyout on his 2019 team option, uh, which has all kinds of like um, health escalators in it. Um, if yeah. he gets to 950 plate appearances, and he's already got like 600... Uh, this year 573 this year plate appearances so good for him he's getting closer to a nicer payday or a, or a buyout and being able to hit the market so uh no matter no manner of like of, of poking holes uh he's gonna probably get to 40 home runs he's p- produced more this year than he you know he's basically he's, he's got well, he's gonna be worth three and a half wins uh way to go justin smoke and it's, yeah. again it's it's a bit of stability at that position going looking into Looking into um, spring training and next year. Also, uh, you say what's with his agent? I mean, he got Justin Smoke a contract extension in the middle of 2016. Uh, I think he did okay. That is a terrific point. <laughs> uh, I what with his agent? I'm sure that he sends bouquets of flowers and like <laughs> and, and, and cake pops to his office every day. Uh, anything else? What what are we at in terms of time here? Oh, we're pretty good. Uh, there's rumors. Oh, let's talk. You talked about um, uh, there's some tw- top 25 free agents where they might land, um, and there was an also thing about Marco Estrada ma- ma- yes. making, making noise that he wants to come back, which yeah. I hope he does. That would be great. The, the end. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Sure. Come back. They, they'll have a Marco Estrada-sized hole in the rotation. Uh, obviously, it's going to come down to the dollars, right? I mean, but it sounds like he's going to be pretty accommodating. Um, like we want him back, right? I mean, he's not had a great year, but I I think that a lot of the underlying things that made us believe in him still exist. I think a lot of those were <laughs> sometimes a little bit wishful on our part. But even, I mean, I'm looking at his fan grass now, and it's like he had a terrible year in Milwaukee in in 2014. But like he's even before then, he was pretty good. Like even when he's bad, he's been decent, right? Like even this year, he's two and a half wins. Uh, if ever the there was a guy, five ERA. If ever there was a guy on the Blue Jays staff in particular who was going to be done in by goofy, you know, Super Bowl baseballs, it's going to be Marco Estrada of yeah. all people. He's given up twenty-seven home runs, which is still shy of what he gave up in in that final yeah. uh, year with the Brewers. But um, I mean, obviously, he is the, the kind of guy who runs around on uh, on. Weak contact and infield fly balls and pop ups and stuff like that, but if when the when the balls fly over the fence that much more, it uh, makes it easier. It makes it more difficult to wiggle out of mistakes and wiggle out of um, of uh, of rallies or however you want to look at it. I mean, for all for uh, all int- other intents and purposes, he looks very much like the same guy he was last year. Yeah, there's nothing really like. I don't see any great discrepancy in his numbers. Nothing, even anything, he's throwing even a little bit harder somehow. According More, to, um, yeah, yeah well, that's, the that's strikeouts cool. are up from when he was uh, from 2015, like quite a bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know, uh, but we'll see. And, and and he is a guy who 
had he never pitched here and he was on the market after having these kinds of seasons, it would be someone you would think, oh, that's a target for the Jays, absolutely, right? Like, that's a guy who's not going to cost a ton, who's going to come in, should give you innings, should give you uh, enough that, you know, your your <laughs> second last in the American League offense uh, will uh, <laughs> we'll give them a chance to maybe push a couple damn runs across. How crazy is that? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's another topic for another day. Something kind of at the end of the year, um, and something that I'm kind of thinking about writing a little bit too. But we do have a long winter to get through at some point. Yeah. How? Why did they score so few runs? I. It's um. Well, my theory is that th- is that they're bad. That theory just <laughs> might work. But I. But you're right. They're not though, right? I mean, Donaldson wasn't quite himself all year, but Donaldson and Smoke alone. Uh, in the middle of that lineup with like, you know, even if everybody around them is not getting on base like four, 40% of the time, you're still going to push a lot of runs across the damn plate. You're going to, you should be doing okay. Uh, Bautista, obviously, you know, too low. That's, those, those are issues. There's a few those issues. Those are issues. Yeah. Not having there Travis are a few was, issues. was enormous. As we talked about last week, Devin Travis, who's like still the, the club leader in doubles for this season, having played 50 games and like none since May. Um, the, uh, the, the kind of old, um, John Gibbons, well, even not old, but always John Gibbons saying John Gibbons teams never can hit with runners in scoring position. I mean, at some point you got to start to wonder like, what, like, what is this? There can't really, there can't be anything to it, but man, it just keeps happening. I don't understand. <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm way wrong about the doubles. I forget what, what. Travis led the team in, but he was uh, up there in doubles or something like that. Yeah, he's now sixth. Goins has passed him, so okay, so things are starting to look more reasonable. But yeah, I don't know. Do we have to ask about John Gibbons' teams and runners in scoring position? I don't know. Do you think no, he's Do you really. think he's doing something that's fucking them up? What could he do? I mean, Ryan Goins, he's is doing okay. Are you mad at the batting order? I mean, you could be mad at the batting order. You could say that it's maybe. Why are you still giving Jose Bautista all these bats in this thing? But it doesn't matter. Like, no. who fucking cares at this point? Give the man, let him, you know, live with a little bit of dignity here in the in the twilight of his Blue Jays and possibly baseball career. Um, I don't know. It just shit happens. It just it just continually happens to John Gibbons teams because he manages Blue Jays teams that are always built the same way. I think is probably a little bit of what has been going on because those old Blue Jays teams were the same. Right with the Troy Gloss and Frank Thomas and and then Matt Stairs and you know they were still they were like bombs away you know Aaron Hill obviously swinging for the downs every time hitting infield pop ups like every other fucking at bat uh, that's who they were Vernon Wells they were they were high powered offenses that hit a lot of home runs then and that's what they've been and sometimes it doesn't work out that way maybe the pitchers bear down or I don't know who knows fact of the matter is. They underperformed that when they were good, and they underperformed it when it was bad. I don't think it's ever really stood in their way. The, the 2017 Blue Jays in particular have way more issues than situational hitting. Yes. Okay. And situational managing. If you want to start to point to that as the problem, <laughs> right now, then, the... you got, then you got problems. Yeah. That says a lot more about you than, than you're going to tell me about the Blue Jays. Maybe you want to look at the way they develop. Again, there's the, the club's complete inability to develop a reasonable position player. Kevin Pillar is like 
you know, has shown no real changes in his in his approach. He hasn't shown any ability to get much better at the plate because getting better is hard. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to criticize, but also I'm understanding. I'm not very good as a pundit, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there, are, I'm looking at it now. There, with, there are 13 Blue Jays uh, who have made at least 100 plate appearances this year. Uh, Smoke and Donaldson, very good. 136, 137, weighted runs created plus. Uh, the only other person above 100 is fucking Ezekiel Carrera at 110. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a big group. Martin, Pierce, Morales, uh, right about league average. And then you get the sub-90s. Travis Pilar Bautista, a uh, single tier. And then Tulo, 77 in his 260 plate appearances. 77 weighted runs created plus. Goins has had 400 plate appearances, 60. Barney's had 322, 55. Uh, and Luke, Luke Miley, 127 plate appearances, minus four. He sure is fucking handsome, though. <laughs> well, he's got at least got him. He's got that going for him, then I guess. Yeah, he's very handsome. Let there be no doubt. He yeah, there is a, there is a undeniable. movement. There is an online movement afoot. Undeniable for the bad catcher. He's bad. He's a catcher. Blue Jays catchers have been uh, replacement level this season. But yeah, I feel that the that, that this is a little bit horrific looking at these uh these hundred uh plate appearance guys for the Jays. They're they were a shitty team this year. That's why they've lost more games than they've won. They won they have a winning record at home, they have many good players and they've had uh, many opportunities to win games because they have had consistent performances from Justin Smoke and Marcus Stroman and uh, I I want to say the bullpen, but I don't want to say it too loudly. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Uh, to, just to contrast, and this is, this this will remind you of the Blue Jays in 2015. The the Blue Jays have three hitters at 110 weighted runs created plus or above. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Cleveland baseball team has eight. That is like the 2015. Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think uh, that, that it, we yeah. don't even need to get we don't need to go on any longer about this, but. There is a there's definitely a school of thought that adding more and more and more and more and more good hitters or hitters who are performing at a at a high level, it only increases your ability to score runs exponentially. And we saw that in 2015 with the Blue Jays, and we're seeing it right now with with Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, they, who've got Roberto Perez hitting everything, who've got they've got uh, Jay Bruce you know, is coming and been fine. Jay Bruce yeah. is hitting everything. They've got Jose Ramirez hits everything. They've got Carlos Santana, who's always been a good hitter. Their fucking shortstop has 30 home runs for God's sake. You know they've got they've got more guys than they know what to do with. They're like, I don't know, maybe we'll play Jason Kipnis in center field. Like they're just they've got they've got what's his name or shallow. They've just got so many studs, and they don't ever give up any runs. Future Blue Jay Jason Kipnis in that Donaldson well, that's trade, pu- right? Oh my god! <laughs> the Kipnis. For All right, that's it for this week's edition of Birds All Day. <laughs> As always, you can help us out and you can contribute to the Patreon campaign that keeps us going and keeps us powered uh, at patreon.com slash birds all day. And thank you, a sincere thank you to everyone who's done so all season long. We greatly appreciate it. We're always cooking up new uh, ideas or, or thinking about ways we can help out or we can uh, incentivize everyone who, who has uh, who's contributed on Patreon. If you have an idea, if you have something you'd like to see, if you want to see us in a different medium, if you want to just get different kinds of content, different ways, give us a shout if you got an idea. We've got a couple that we're kicking around, but we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you if you have an idea what would what might help you get over the hump. Uh, and if you just want to get the podcast straight with no filler and, uh, and no bullshit, you can go over to iTunes uh, and uh, subscribe to Birds All Day, and you can also offer a rating or a review. Uh, Mr. Stoughton, you can always read at BlueJaysNation.com 
every day, all day, whenever anything comes out, the excruciating minutia, you know he's going to be there jumping on it. I'm yeah, uh, telling Cam to jump on it, yeah. He posts under a variety <laughs> of names, but they're all him, I promise. And from there, you can find links to Stoughton's work at The Athletic and at Vice Sports, to name a few, to name but a few. And, uh, and that's it. Yeah. We'll be back next week, right? Sounds, sounds like a thing we're going to have to do, yeah. Blue Jays are in Minnesota uh, for the next few days, which should be fun. They, uh, Jose Bautista, there will be a statue of him outside of that stadium one day for all of his exploits there at uh, Turner Field, or what is it called, Target Field. Yep. I think, I don't know, it, but I think he's probably hit more home runs than Joe Mauer has there, uh, <laughs> which is hard to... surprise me. Future Blue Jay Joe Mauer. No. Yikes. He's, uh, his contract's almost finished, finally. Too bad he was finished long before that contract was. Uh, anything, Stoughton, you got anything else? Got anything else to add? Any fizzy water takes? Any, uh, any takes in general? Not really, no. No fizzy water takes, no. No. I'm waiting for this brand positioning thing to be over so they can, like, put LaCroix in, like, the rest of the stores. Enough with the Whole Foods, all right? I, I, I'm not tra- schlepping all the way to Whole Foods just buy your overpriced fizzy water. I want it so bad. But bring it, it to me. It, it makes other fizzy water look like shit? Is that what you're saying? It is the Cadillac of fizzy water, as far as I am concerned. I found it in a shop. I don't know what they were doing. I think because it's supposed to be only sold at Whole Foods, so I think someone went and bought some and then brought it to their kind of like this is our granola store on the on Roncesvalles, and they were selling the quads. <laughs> so I was like, "Fuck right, here's some money, cool." Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's supposed to be quite good. I like it. It's decent. Okay, they're all good. It's all deadly. Who knows what's in it? We'll all we're all gonna grow third heads one day, but third heads, not just a second, but a third. I got you. Fizzy water takes. All right, that's why people tune in. Uh, So thank you for listening to this week's edition of Birds All Day. We'll catch you next time.